Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to episode nine. Of the No Huddle Show, our Eagles podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Gillian. With me, as always, every week, Elliot Shore Parks, Mark Eckel. They cover the Eagles. They were at MetLife on Sunday for the first Eagles victory of the season. Now 1-2. and two, They beat the Jets 24-17. Uh, it wasn't pretty, but it was a win. The Eagles certainly needed that. Elliot, uh, welcome in here. And uh, Initial thoughts watching that yesterday, 24-0 at halftime. And the Eagles, you know, hold on for a 24-17 victory. My thoughts during the game was that, obviously, it was a much-needed win. It wasn't very pretty at times, but overall, I mean, that was a tough spot for this team. I think, you know, coming into the game, not a lot of people picked them to win. I think on ESPN, 10 out of the 13 picks were the Jets. I know two out of the three, um, I picked them. Uh, Echo didn't. Echo picked the Eagles, so he got that one. Is that one. right? Is that right? <laughs> But my point, I mean, you know, this was a tough spot for them on the road against a really good defense. I mean, let's be honest, Sam Bradford hasn't played in these type of big games before. And Chip Kelly's coaching some big games, obviously. But this is, you know, there was a lot of pressure on the line here. So even though it wasn't completely pretty, I do think it was a big win. And it did say a lot about this team that they could come up in a situation like that and, and walk away with a win. Mark, how about you? What were your thoughts watching that yesterday? I mean, they go off to a big start there, 24 nothing at the half. They hold on for the 24-17 victory. Uh, there obviously was some positives, some negatives. Just overall, as you watched it happen, uh, a win for the Eagles in Week Three. Yeah, this was. I, I've seen this game so many times through the years. It's it's it worked both ways for the Eagles and against the Eagles. Where you know you're you're a desperate team is a is a tough team to play. I don't care who you are. I think. Mean, they were not, and not only were they desperate, they were wounded. That was, I mean, that was a wounded animal in the corner. Stay away, get away from that dog, get away from that whatever the fox, whatever it is, get away from it because it's going to bite you. And that's what happened. The Eagles bit the Jets yesterday. Um, and, and and to be honest, let's let, let's put the Jets back in 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 reality too. They're not that good. I mean, they're okay. The, to to quote Dennis Green, the the Jets are who we thought they were. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you're going nowhere, nowhere with Ryan Fitzpatrick as your quarterback. All right, let's get that straight. Kent's defense, yes, it's very good, but it's, this game is still about the quarterback. and You're not going to win with it. I mean, you know, guys that go to Harvard shouldn't be playing in the NFL. They should be running for president or, you know, being a doctor or something. <laughs> The Jets took advantage, I mean, the Eagles took advantage of that yesterday. And I think we have to start with the defensive effort by the Eagles, which was, I mean, it's not, it's rare 
for us to talk about, but it's really in just recent Eagles history here to talk about the defense winning a football game for them. But that's what the story was to me on Sunday. They took advantage of playing Ryan Fitzpatrick, but that was a Jets offense that had played you know, efficiently pretty well the first couple weeks, and the Eagles just completely shut them down. Three interceptions, the fumble recovery, held them to 2.9 yards a carry. I mean, you date back to now, I think, halftime of the Atlanta game, the Eagles' defense has played really well. Ellie, your thoughts on this defense, uh, which was supposed to be the weak link of this team, but certainly doesn't look like it right now. Yeah, I mean, coming into the year, and we've talked about this on the podcast and I've written about it, I thought this defense could be a top-five unit in the NFL just because of how good that front seven is. And the secondary has some pieces. They just haven't been able to put it together the first two years, obviously, as they've been one of the worst secondaries in the league. But Two, two key things have happened for this team. One, the play of Walter Thurman, my, in my opinion, has really changed the outlook of the whole defense because, I mean, I wasn't one of the huge Nate Allen haters, but now that Thurman's in there, you can really see what a difference is having a safety who can play in the system Billy Davis wants to run does. I mean, Thurman had the interception yesterday. I think he has two on the season now. And even going back to the preseason, he has, I think, four interceptions in six or seven games. So he's been a turnover machine for the Eagles, and he's playing very well. And then the front seven, I think two things have happened. One, Fletcher Cox is, is playing up to his potential, which, you know, when he plays that, he's one of the best defensive linemen and a 3-4 defensive lineman in the league. But B. B Logan's really taken a step forward this season. He's been a monster against the run. Um, teams haven't been able to run on the Eagles it's because of Benny Logan. So the defense has been awesome. Then yesterday, Jordan Hicks stepped up in his first career start, had the interception. Uh, he had 10 tackles. He played every snap. So they're getting contributions from all over on defense. They are. And yesterday, Mark, I mean, they had a lot of guys out. They had starters out, both starting inside linebackers. They were out. Cedric Thornton, as Elliot was talking about, with the defensive line playing well. And it was those, it was the fill-ins that played, you know, as I thought Hicks was really good. I thought when Eric Rowe had to come in in the secondary, he did a nice job. And Brandon Bear, a guy I don't think whose name maybe has come up once or twice the entire run of this podcast, uh, he played well, too. I mean, it wasn't just the, the standout stars for the Eagles like Cox. It, was, it seemed like it was a, a group effort out there, Mark. Absolutely, and Jordan Hicks is, is a good player. Let's let's stop saying, hey, how about Jordan Hicks? Jordan Hicks is a good player. He makes plays. In, in two games, I'm actually writing this for tomorrow morning, uh, scouts, when, when you talk to scouts or, or assistant coaches about linebackers in particular, they always bring up what they term big plays, and that's a sack, an interception, a forced fumble, a uh, re recovered fumble. Well, he has one of each already. In a game and a half, he already has one of he, – he has a sack and he's done it all. He has four big plays in a game and a half. That's pretty good. That, that's, that's very good. I mean, just to give you a, a number, last year, Connor Barwin led the Eagles with, with, with 16 and a half. That's for 16 games. And, that, and Connor Barwin had a Pro Bowl year. I mean, a guy like Michael Kendricks, who people you know, consider a playmaker, well, well last year he had seven for the, for the entire year. Now he, he missed a couple games. Well, Jordan Hicks has four in a game and a half. That's wow. this kid can play. He's he's got he. I, I'm when the Eagles drafted him. I wasn't crazy about the pick, not because I didn't think Hicks. I just thought it was why are they taking an inside linebacker when they already have all these other guys? But that was where take the best player on the board, and he was the best player on the board. And you're seeing he has to play because we don't know what's going to happen with Kiko Alonso from here. You know, going forward, uh, D'Amico Ryan's. You know, he's got the. You know, he's getting older. He has the the Achilles. Um, but the Eagles' defense as a whole, yes, they're playing better. But before I put them in the top five, 
I, I want to see them do well against a, a good quarterback. And they're not going to see they – not, they may not see one for a while, but yeah. um, they will eventually, I think, somewhere along the line. Um, but they, this, I mean, they've always done well. And that's one of the reasons I thought they would beat the Jets is they do well against the Ryan Fitzpatrick's of the world. They, they, they always have. It's, it's, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and Tony Romo when he's healthy uh, that, that give the Eagles trouble, um, as they do most teams. But I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get overly excited about the defense taking advantage of Ryan Fitzpatrick or, you know, guys like that. Elliot, what's the most encouraging part of the defense? You mentioned Thurman there. I mean, this is a defense that, you know, we're, they weren't playing this well in the secondary, and they haven't for years. So the way they played yesterday in the first couple games, you know, since Julio Jones ran past Byron Maxwell, I think the rest of the secondary has played well this season. And then Mark was just talking about Hicks and now the depth at inside linebacker. Based on yesterday, first couple games here, what to you is the most encouraging part that this defense may be able to stay good even when they start playing those good quarterbacks? Yeah, I think Mark makes a fair point saying they haven't done it against good quarterbacks. And, I mean, that was the issue last year. The defense wasn't as bad as people made it out to be last season. They just played some good quarterbacks at the end of the season. So I think one of the encouraging things, though, that's remained the case towards the end of last season and through the beginning of this season, first in league, forced fumbles, um, their second sacks. This year they had three interceptions already, maybe four. So they're, they're creating turnovers, and they're doing it, like I said, at big times. I mean, you look at last week against the, the Cowboys, they had one in the second half when the Eagles were still in it. Granted, the offense gave the ball away on the next play, but they still created it. Yesterday, Jordan Hicks had that big interception. Walter Thurman against the Falcons in the second half when the Eagles were mounting their comeback. So they've been a very opportunistic defense, and there haven't been many chances they've had that they haven't taken advantage of. And that's something I think will continue throughout the season. You know, There won't be as many chances against a good quarterback, but when they're there, the Eagles are both creating those opportunities and taking advantage of them. Now, Elliot mentioned the offense there, which, you know, based on what they did against the Cowboys in Week 2, it was almost going to be impossible for us not to come on here today as we record this podcast on a Monday and say that they didn't have an improvement against the Jets. And they did, and they ran the football much better. Matthews had a good game. Uh, they got off to a good start by, you know, getting a lead early in that game. Your thoughts on the offensive performance, specifically Sam Bradford, Mark, as you know, we watched that game 24-0 at the half. They don't score in the second half. I think only 53 yards of total offense in the second half. I mean, what do we take away from week three offensively? It was better, but they're still not where they want to be. Oh, I, I hope they're not where they want to be because they're not good enough yet. But I'll, I'll be positive. They, they, they won the game, so I will point out the positive for you. Yes, the running game got fixed. I mean, you know, we were talking in the first couple of weeks, my God, this is the worst running game ever, or, DeMarco Murray can't run. The line can't block. Well, they blocked for a 100-yard rusher yesterday. That's 100 yards is still the, the, the standard for a, for a back, and Ryan Matthews gained 100 yards and, and effective yards. Um, they scored from the one-yard line. Um, you know, that, that had been a problem in the past. Short yardage, you know, not, not getting in. Darren Sproles carries it in from the one. So the running game, fit, for now, fixed. Passing game, Still a work in progress, and it's not. And Sam Bradford is not playing well. I, don't, I mean, you, you can slice it, spin it any any way you want. He's not playing well. The reason the reasons for that, I I think, are let's be honest. His his receivers aren't helping him. Uh, I think I think I have by 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 my count, there's 11 drops in in, in three games. That's a lot. 
And you know, and 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 a drop pass is almost like a turnover at times. If if you drop a pass on third down, that would have been a first down. That's that's almost like turning the ball over in a sense. So the receivers and and Brad and here's part, here's what I think most of the problem is. Other than Jordan Matthews, who Bradford has has complete tunnel vision. That's all he looks for is Jordan Matthews, and that's that's got to stop. You know, Nelson Aguilar and Zach Ertz are two very good receivers. At least I think Nelson's going to be. We haven't had a chance to see him yet because they don't throw him the ball hardly, or when they do, it's, you know, 10 feet over his head. Um, but he, you know, they need him, and they need Zach Ertz. You saw Ertz had two catches yesterday for 30-some yards. He has to get more involved. But I think I said part of the problem is not only did Bradford play very limited in the, in the preseason, he didn't play with either one of those guys at all. All of Nelson Aguilar's um, play came with, with either Mark Sanchez or, or, or Tim Tebow. And if you remember, Ertz missed the entire preseason with the uh, groin injury. So they're still getting together. They're, they're still getting, trying to get some kind of chemistry going. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be optimistic here and say that the passing game is still in its infant stages and will continue to grow. And I think, you know, in the next couple of weeks, I would think you'll see it getting better and better to where by, you know, mid-season, by the bye week, say, it's it's where we thought it might be. Do you agree with that, Elliot? I mean, where are we with Sam Bradford now? I mean, we talked so much about him, how great he looked during the preseason. We were all saying that he just wasn't good enough in the first couple games, even though he played well in the second half of the Atlanta game. That's really all he did the first couple games. Yesterday, 14-28, to 28, Mark just referenced the drops, which are a significant part of this, but a part of it. Uh, you know, 14 to 28, he didn't throw for more than, what, 118 yards in the game? 50, you know, he had 25 yards passing in the second half of that game. Sam Bradford, I mean, how do you feel about him through three games now, Elliot? <laughs> Let me yeah. <laughs> There's the curveball. Take it out of work, Elliot. <laughs> Not something I've put a lot of thought into, but since you asked, no, I mean, he hasn't played well. I mean, there's really – there's no other way to put it. I mean, even – you know, so yesterday his 50% completion percentage was the second lowest for a quarterback in a single game with Chip Kelly as the head coach. So, you know, I mean, it's just, I, where do you start? I mean, he's been accurate with a lot of passes. Yesterday, you know, he had Nelson Aguilar twice for what could have been big plays. And one time he underthrew, um, overthrew him. The other time he threw it basically right into the ground at Aguilar's feet. So the good news is he didn't turn the ball over yesterday. And, you know, you, I have to give him credit for at least making enough plays. I mean, the wheel route he had for a touchdown to Ryan Matthews, that was Sam Bradford at his best. That was Bradford standing in the pocket, taking a hit, and delivering an accurate pass to Matthews in stride. But the problem is he's just not doing that enough. Even the completions he's getting are high, and the receivers are making good catches. And I know they're having – the drops are an issue, but I, I just don't – I don't. I just don't subscribe to the thing that the drops are as big of a deal as other people make them out to be. Just because I think he's not playing well overall anyway. So if you know he was delivering super accurate passes again and again, but some of these drops. I mean, the one Ryan Matthews yesterday had that everyone likes to point to. Ryan Matthews was running and he had to break his stride, turn around, and twist his body to try to get his hands on the ball, which he did, and he should have made the catch, I guess. But you know, Bradford, you know, the thing with him was supposed to be his accuracy. He was supposed to be able to sit back there and just pick defenses apart. And like Mark said, right now, he, he's not doing that. He's focusing on receivers. The balls he's delivering aren't accurate. So I think, you know, we talked about the defense to start the podcast. I think this team can still be really good. I think their schedule breaks their way. But 
for them to actually be one of the better teams in the NFC, they need Bradford to play considerably better than he is right now in really all phases of the game. All right, I want to touch on a couple things off of Bradford that Chip Kelly had to say during his Monday morning. Uh, every Monday morning, Chip Kelly appears on WIP in Philadelphia and talks there about the game, uh, regardless of win or loss, he's on every week. And I heard him on Monday morning, and he was talking about Bradford, asked based on the same type of conversation we're having now, and he mentioned the drops, and Mark had counted 11 drops. So if you do the math on, on the drops, and Elliot, you're right, not all drops are created equal, but if you do the math on the drops, Sam Bradford's completion percentage would be over 70, I believe, if all of those were caught. Now, that's just well, one well, number there. Every team has drops. Right, well, every team has drops. Now, I don't know what it I – don't, I don't, I'll have to call the kids in the basement to see how many – you know, they, they keep every play in the world. But um, I would think 11 is close to the league league. It, w- it probably would be. I think it was six I saw with some of those basement kids last week. So you know, the number is probably close, Mark. I guess the question I have is how much of this is on the wide receivers – not getting open for him because Chip Kelly mentioned oh, no. that they're not getting enough separation. That was his oh, biggest no, no. critique. No, 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 no. So no. you do disagree. You, no, now, no, no receivers, Mark. No receivers outside of Matthews, I believe, had a catch in the Jets game. It was only Matthews, tight ends, and backs. No receivers on this team had a catch on Sunday. Is that Bradford or is that this one receiver crew? No, that's. I mean, I, hey, listen. I I like Chip more than most, and I usually agree. Probably eighty percent of the time, with what he says, we we we're we just I and I'm never like that with a coach, but I just I no 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 like like Elliot said he had Aguilar a couple times and missed him. He he I remember there was one play where again he just focuses on Jordan Matthews and we all see it. He, he's and and he had Ertz Ertz was wide open and he and he threw a terrible pass to uh, Matthews. No, I'm not buying it that receivers aren't open. I'm not. I think I mean no, of course this is the NFL. And, and people forget this sometimes. The other team is getting paid also. You know, the, the Jets got paid to play yesterday and got paid pretty well, a lot of those guys. They have a guy making like $20 million at, at cornerback. So, yes, Darrell Rivas probably had guys covered a lot of the times. He, you know, that's what he does, and he's very good at it. But, no, to say that the receivers, nah, there were some openings. And, I, and, again, I can't stress enough, I can't – Zach Ertz – Especially when a re- when you don't have a quarterback that's making the big play down the field, well then your tight end, especially when you have a tight end as reliable and as productive as Zach Ertz can be, let's get him the ball, right? Let's get Zach Ertz the ball five six times a game minimum, right? This is this is another issue that I have with Bradford, and you know you just touched on it. Is that yeah I agree that the receivers. I think the getting separation might be a bit of an issue, but there's also been times they've been open and Bradford's missed them. But Bradford's making $13 million. He's supposed to make the players around him better. If this was, you know, a first-year rookie or, or a game manager or, you know, uh, one of the McCallum brothers, then I'd be like, okay, you know what, the receivers hold some blame here. But if Bradford's going to be your franchise guy and he's going to be the guy that, you know, you traded for and you gave up the second-round pick for and you gave up Foles for He's got to make the guys around him better as well. I don't think that's my overall point. Is I don't think he's doing that in terms of how he delivers the passes. So yes, there's been drops, but I don't think he's delivering super catchable balls. And maybe you know, I just, I just think he's not elevating the offense. He he's been at, at his best this season, even in that second half against Atlanta. He's been a game manager, but for the majority of the season, he's hurt the offense more than he's helped it. You mentioned game manager and the fact that you know it just seems like every single time Bradford drops back to pass. 
within a second or two, he's looking to check down, looking to go to a back or a tight end, close to the line of scrimmage. I wish he would go to the tight end. He doesn't go to the tight end enough. Not enough. No, it's the backs. I mean, it seems like he wants to throw to the backs and just get the ball out as quickly as possible. Chip also said, and this is three straight games now, guys, where Chip Kelly has referenced the way the defense has played the Eagles as the reason they're not going down the field. Now, for Sunday's game against the Jets, he mentioned Cromartie and Revis. Obviously, those two are really, really good. And then Dallas and Atlanta, he mentioned the way that safeties were back and the defense is playing them. I mean, at what point here do we stop saying this about the other team's defense and just, you know, say that's not really – that can't be the excuse every week. Other quarterbacks go down the field. Elliot? Yeah, and, I mean, yesterday Bradford attempted only two passes over 20 yards and didn't complete either of them. And he completed only – he attempted only seven passes over over uh, over 10 yards. So he's not taking the ball – taking the shot down the field. I agree with you, Joe. I mean – if Chip Kelly is going to be considered one of the best offensive minds in the NFL, sooner or later you have to just stop taking what the defense is giving you because they're giving it to you for a reason. I mean, they, they, they know the Eagles, they don't want them to go down the field, so they're just letting them think and dunk because they know these receivers. And this has been another issue. Is the receivers aren't making a ton of plays after the catch. Darren Sproles has and the running backs have, but there haven't been receivers making people miss and getting those yards after the catch. So that's one issue. But the other problem is, this isn't just three games. This is Sam Bradford over five years. I mean, he's never taken shots down the field. You, and you, when you watch him in practice and really in training camp, he was taking those shots down the field. I don't know if he's, if he's more comfortable in that setting or, you know, if when the bullets start flying in a real game, he, he doesn't see the field as well. But he has the arm to do it. I mean, he delivers a very nice deep ball, at least in practice. But you're right. During the games, he hasn't done that at all. And I agree. I, I don't think – you can make the excuses that of that's what the defense is giving you because uh, I mean you can't tell me every team in the league is playing the is allowing the deep ball besides the defenses the Eagles are playing because other teams are making these these long passes and the Eagles just haven't been able to do it. They what, haven't been. What you have to do there, I mean, and again, I, I, that's where I'm not going to challenge a, a, a head coach. He's seen the film a lot better than I am, and he's he knows more about the game than I ever will. But, if, but I do know this, when teams play the deep safeties, when they play a cover two, when, they, when they're taking away that, yeah, I agree. Don't, I, I disagree with Elliot. I agree with, I agree with Chip that, yeah, don't force that. That's the wrong thing to do. You, you don't want to force a play into the defensive strength. But I, I do know this. When the teams do that, over the middle, you, the tight end becomes so valuable. Then. And I'm, I'm, I know I'm stressing this, that Zach Ertz needs to get the ball more, but you saw we got it twice and made, made two plays yesterday. That's, that's, the, that's the remedy for beating the cover two, is getting your tight end or getting something over the middle. And guess what? If you keep doing that and, and Ertz is getting 15 yards, 12 yards, they're gonna, they're, the defense isn't stupid. They're not going to let you keep doing that, especially when you're winning. They're going to have to come out of that. They're going to have to bring a guy up, and they're going to have to change their, their defense, and then you can go deep on them. But the Eagles haven't done enough to, to, to make them get out of what they're doing. No, they haven't. And I, I tend to agree with you, Mark. You don't want to throw into double coverage just to prove a point. But at some point, do you have to just take a shot to show the other team, to show the defense that you will do it? I mean, I'm getting the feeling watching these games that the opposing defenses don't think Sam Bradford will ever throw the football down the field, and they're just putting all the defenders – you know, within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage, and I feel like it takes away from those crossing patterns the Eagles like to run. See, that's what I think, too. But that's not what they're, I mean, they're telling us that they're keeping a safety deep. Um, uh, again, yesterday, I thought, that, I thought the Eagles' offense was 
it was better than it. I mean, the second half they kind of shut down, obviously. They, and I think part of that was that they play a little scared. Maybe, maybe they thought twenty-four points was enough. Let's not do anything stupid. Um, let's not let's not allow a defense that had caused ten turnovers in in two games to cause any more. Um, so let's just play conservative. Twenty. 24 points is, is enough to win. Almost almost go four corners in basketball, sort of, you know, milk the clock a little bit. Was it the right thing? It turned out it was. It got a little scary at the end. Um, but let's let's moving forward. Let's see what they, they they play a totally different defense next weekend against the Washington Redskins, who they don't have Darrell Reeves. They don't have Antonio Cromartie. They don't even they don't have they don't have anything back there. That's a bad secondary. I don't care what scheme they, they, they play. Sam Bradford and the receivers should do well against that secondary. Now let, me, let me throw this question out to you guys. So yesterday, obviously, Ryan Matthews had over 100 yards. DeMarco Murray will presumably be back next week. Yeah. I think personally that DeMarco would have had a good game yesterday. I don't think it was anything really Ryan Matthews did, although he did do a good job going just straight north-south, whereas Murray has been taking it out to the side a little more. But – I wonder, I mean, do the Eagles switch some things up next week in terms of their, um, you know, the snap distribution among the running backs? Do you do you have Matthews, you know, get more carries than he has in the first game? I mean, I think he only had one against the Cowboys and three against the Falcons, whereas Murray had a 20-something combined carry in the first two games. <coughs> it's, and, I don't know, we were talking about this yesterday in the press box. I mean, if, if Matthews did well, which he did, is this going to impact how they use Murray? And really, does it? Does it kind of shed some light over the Murray signing in general? Something whether they really need it or whether that was kind of a panic move, maybe a poor waste of money. Oh, I feel like I, I thought about it too watching the game. You know, you watch Matthews run the ball. And that was one of the first things I thought. Well, I mean, if he's doing this, why couldn't Murray? And now the blocking was better, but there were a couple times I noticed where it felt like it felt like the blocking was better than last week, but it wasn't perfect off the snap. And Matthews made a guy miss or just moved a little bit, and then the hole opened up and he found it. Murray, unfortunately for him, wasn't able to do that the first couple weeks. I, I don't know. I think they have to give the ball to Ryan Matthews at least a little bit, even if Murray's completely healthy. I think it has to be more, you know, closer to 50-50 than all Murray and no Matthews the way we saw in week two. What do you think, Mark? Oh, I agree 100%. I'm all about feeding the hot hand in any sport, whether it's basketball, you know, you know, if the guy's hot shooting, get him the ball. If the guy's running well, get him the ball. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, going in, I thought it would be like a 60 Thirty with Sproles getting ten percent of the of the carries. I yeah, I think it's got to be almost fifty-fifty. If not, maybe I mean, you know how let's 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 play let's throw this in too. Like you know how healthy is Murray? I mean, if, is you know uh, hamstrings could be nagging things, especially for a running back. I mean, if he's not a hundred percent, then maybe it should be sixty forty Matthews. Yeah, I mean that's the interesting part, and also. You know, you, we got a running back controversy, don't we? <laughs> the other thing is, I mean, how at what point do you start giving Darren Sproles the ball more? I mean, people always view him as a part-time back, but I think you can make the argument he's been the best player on this offense the first three weeks. And you know, he's I know. Yeah, I mean, I know uh, Echol is Sproles' number one fan over here. No, but, Kenyon Barnard is number one fan. Yeah, Kenyon Barnard is number one. But I mean, I think you know. And Joe, you talk about the dinking and dunking. Sproles is one player who has done something when he's been given the ball in the flat. I mean, the other receivers and the running backs haven't done much in terms of making people miss, but Sproles consistently, consistently has. So I think that's one thing you saw yesterday too was 
they didn't have to force feed the ball to Murray. They were able to, you know, give it to Matthews in spots. Give it. I mean, Darren Sproles had the goal line touchdown. I think it was from two or three right down the middle. So he's certainly capable of doing that. So it'll be interesting to see if they start to, you know, make it more of a running back by committee situation as opposed well, Chip to. Chip said that yesterday. Chip, um, as you know, as everybody was, as we were heaping praise on 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 Darren Sproles for his for his performance yesterday. You know, Chip made a comment that um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, but that. Maybe we don't we don't utilize him enough sometimes, um, so you could see more sprawl. But I, I don't, you know, as much as I do like him, and as you said, I'm the vice president of the fan club. Um, you don't want to overuse him. Let's keep in mind the guy's not a big man, and he is in his thirties. You don't want to you don't want to use him up in September. You know, I mean, it's a long season. Um, I think he's going to give you big plays. He's a he's he's a guy that can turn a game around as he did yesterday, as he did last year. Um, you know, against Jacksonville in the opener, against the Colts down down on Monday night, on a Monday night down in Indianapolis. Um, you know, they can do a lot of things with him, and they are. They, they, they lined him up everywhere yesterday. He was out wide a couple times. He was in the slot. He's in the backfield. He comes in and out of the backfield. So, yeah, I would I like to see him get between everything, you know, 10 touches a game. Yeah, what's the right number for him? Look, I'm looking at the stats right now. If you add in the catches yesterday, which was four, three, he had 11 carries out of the backfield, and obviously the three punt returns, one of them uh, was for the touchdown. Is that about right? And that was 18 touches yesterday for uh, probably somewhere, you know, 115, 120 total yards when you add everything together, all-purpose yards. Is that the kind of number for him, 15 to 18? Elliot, how many touches should Darren Sproles get a game here? I think 18 seems like a lot. I mean, like, uh, I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, I, I didn't want to interrupt, but that's, he had 18 because Murray had none. So, right, right. Going forward, I don't think he'll get the ball. Going forward, I don't think he'll get the ball 18 times a game because, you know, like Mark said, you know, you don't want to overuse him. You want to, granted, there might not be a January for this team, but you, you want to have him late in the season when these games really start to matter because really over the past year and a half, he's been the – you know, and when Eagles have needed him in big situations, or really they've been in any big situation, he's been the guy that's came through and made the big play. Over and over, it seems. I mean, I remember back to week one uh, of last season when they were down to Jacksonville and he had that big run up the middle. It just seems like you know, Darren Sproles always feels like the forgotten guy. Not here, maybe not on this podcast, because we have the president and vice president and all these uh, uh, members of the fan club here with us here. But it feels like Darren Sproles is forgotten, and then every time they need a big play, like you're saying there, Elliot, he seems to make it. Yeah, I mean the punt return yesterday. You look back to last season um, against the Colts. He had the big, you know, he had a big game. Really against the Falcons, he he was a big part of them coming back in in the second half. Granted, they didn't win that game, but you know, yeah, absolutely. And you know, the funny part is you look at, uh, you know, he's making. I think among the running backs, he's making the uh, out of the three, he's making the least amount this season. He's been arguably the best. So certainly not. You know, maybe he needs a raise. I don't know what's going to happen there, but yeah, he's he's been he's been great. And Chip loves him. As he should, because he's a guy for him that they traded for, and he's done a good job for them. All right, so the Eagles are 1-2 and two now. They get the win. Uh, let's look around a little bit to what this division is now. I mean, the Eagles were imperfect on Sunday, but they got a win over the Jets. But this division is imperfect. We talked about it last week when they were 0-2, that they weren't buried because the NFC East wasn't going to let them bury themselves. Basically, everything worked out the way they wanted it to this week. The Cowboys uh, got off to a big start against the Falcons but couldn't hold on. They lost that game. Uh, the Redskins and Giants played each other on Thursday, so someone had to lose. And so you have the 1-2 and two Giants, the 1-2 and two Redskins, obviously the Eagles at 1-2, and two, and the Cowboys 
uh, now 0-1 without Tony Romo starting, and now they're 2-1 on the season. So, uh, Mark, we'll start with you. The imperfect NFC East, uh, how much better do we feel about the Eagles after watching everybody else continue to play here? I don't know if you read my column Monday morning. That the I I wrote the you know write this down don't forget it and if I'm wrong I'm sure you won't forget it but the Eagles and Giants will be playing for first place on Monday Night Football in a couple weeks. So that'll be October 19th I believe you have the Giants are going to take on uh, the Bills in their next game and the Niners at home and the Eagles will be at the Redskins and then home for the Saints. Eagles be three and two. Yep. Eagles be three and two. The Giants could be three and two and Dallas they play the Saints this week. They, you never know. The Saints are due to have a good game sometime, right? I mean, I don't know. But Dallas, Whedon is, I mean, you, you know, let, let's let's put him out there. I mean, he's 5-19 and 19 as a starting quarterback. 5-19. and 19. It's like Sam Bradford type record right there. I mean, he made Bradford look like Montana. I mean, there's a reason the guy's 5-19. and 19. I, Oh, he completed, he had a 53 quarterback rating yesterday. Dallas didn't score a point in the second half yesterday. Uh, the 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 all time stat of the of the not only of the day I call it a stat of the day but it could, it could be stat of the century. Joe Rand, Randall, the running back in Dallas, had 92 yards at halftime. That's one heck of a half. 92 yards. You're thinking, man, this guy's gonna he could get 200 yards today. Well, he finished with 87. <laughs> he put meat back on the bone, as someone said. <laughs> he didn't leave it. He put it. He lost five yards in a second when the Dallas didn't score a point. So, the, you know, I, I know Dallas has the greatest offensive line ever built, the greatest his, in the history of football. Man, they didn't look so good second half yesterday. The other thing that I think still remains true to me with the NFC East is my thought going into the season was Eagles just had the most talent, both on offense and defense. And now when you look at the Cowboys, and I know this is obviously due to injuries, but they're going to be missing Tony Romo and Des Bryant for, you know, the next six, seven games probably. That's, I mean, that's a huge chunk of the season. So now the Eagles' talent, even though they're not getting great play from the quarterback position, and really the running game, even though they looked good yesterday, has been an issue for the first three weeks, they still just have so much more talent than their teams this division. I mean, the Redskins, who knows what will happen next week. I think the Eagles win that game, but the Redskins do always play them tough. But the Redskins aren't going to be competing for the division. The Cowboys, with Brandon Whedon, like, like Mark just said, Whedon's not going to be able to keep them in this. I mean, it would be surprising if in those six games they won three of them. So they're now, due- Matt Castle will be starting for them soon, I would think. Yeah, or Matt, right, exactly. But either way, I don't see the Cowboys being able to – I don't think when – by the time Tony Romo, com- Romo comes back, I don't think the Cowboys will be leading the NFC. So the Eagles, I mean, you, you couldn't pick a better season, really, to, ha- to get off to the poorest start they have. And really, one and two, I mean, they win next week. They're two and two, splitting the first four. That's not terrible. So – I think the Eagles are still in prime position to win this division. It's a good year to be bad. It's a good year to be bad. It's a good year to have Bradford as your quarterback. There you go. It's a good year to have a mediocre quarterback. Um, how about the Giants? Can you talk to the Cowboys and <laughs> the fact that they have a lot of quarterback issues right now and they lost a game they had a big lead on Sunday. The Redskins, I agree with you, Elliot. I don't think they're going to be there in the end. and They probably just won a game over a Rams team in week two that was just a little high off of week one. So I don't think the Redskins are more than we thought they were. The Giants, to me, have been the, the kind of the wild card of this division before the season started. I know, Mark, you had said in, on past shows you thought they were going to be good. Then they had a tough preseason. They had, obviously, a, you know, historically bad first two losses, blowing 10-point leads in each game. Are they the wild card now in this division because of the, the Cowboys' injury issues and the Eagles were still trying to figure out what they're going to be? They, they looked better on Thursday. They beat the Redskins at home. I'm still not sure what to make of the Giants' How, have your opinions on them changed, Elliot? 
they're the one team that scares me a little bit just because of the quarterback position. I mean, right now they have the best quarterback in the division. And, you know, if you have the best quarterback in the division, you, you have a chance to win. And they're a team that's won big games. I mean, I know they, they blew that first game against the Cowboys in a tough situation by mismanaging at the end. But overall, they're a team that's shown over the past few years. I mean, obviously they have two Super Bowls, but they've, they've been able to, to win some big games. So I think that's one team that would worry the Eagles because if in this division, if you get hot and you win four or five games in a row, that, that could clinch it. I mean, you, you, could be, you could have the division wrapped up. I think the Eagles are more capable of doing that than the Giants just because I think the Eagles have a better defense. The Giants you know, have a ton of injury issues. But I think the Giants are a team, other than the Eagles, most capable of doing that. So I think right now they're, they're the biggest threat to the Eagles winning the division. And like Mark said, they very well could be playing for first place when they meet up in, in two or three weeks. And they might play for it again the last, that last day of the season up at the Meadowlands. You know, yeah, right. Final game of the year. Only, it could be. Not only do they have the, the I mean, I, I'm not the, I, I mean, Eli Manning is his, his whole career is kind of crazy. He's looked awful at times, and then when the playoffs start, he's, he's he looks like you know the best quarterback in the league. But they have the best player in the division, the Giants, and that's Odell Beckham. That guy is just amazing. And to have a guy like, I mean, it, he's made Eli's life a lot easier. I, I was talking to somebody earlier today who who knows the Giants pretty well, and I said. You know, it's not hard. Just throw the ball to Beckham. <laughs> I mean, you could tell the other team, it's yeah, yeah, we're going to throw to him. He, it's he's hard to stop. I mean, that guy is just really, really, really good. I mean, he there's not a player. I mean, Des Bryant is very good too, but now he's hurt. But I, if I'm starting a team right now, other than quarterback, Odell Beckham would be very high on the list of a guy that I, that I would take very, very, very high. And, you know, from the Eagles' perspective, this is exactly why they gave Byron Maxwell the money they did. To he, cover him? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't give him enough. They didn't yeah. him. Well, I'm saying, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what Byron Maxwell will do. I mean, obviously you're not going to shut down Odell like you just said. And that's not what Byron Maxwell you're not. You, gotta, you better have two – you better double team. Billy Davis, wake up, Billy. No one-on-one yeah. -on -one with that guy. No. That's going to be a big game for Billy Davis to see how his game oh. plan turns out there. Double team. Triple team, do anything you have to do. Don't leave anybody one on one with that guy. It's 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 a disaster to try to do that. All right, guys, let's look ahead here um, to the Redskins game coming up week four. One and two Eagles, one and two Redskins. We've kind of got some thoughts on, on the Redskins so far during this show um, that we don't think they're you know anything more really than than they were perceived to be. Uh, but they're one and two now. They beat the Rams at home. They lost the Dolphins at a game that they kind of gave away in Week One. That's a, a bad Dolphin team, looks like as well. And they lost the Giants on Thursday night. Elliot, your thoughts on this game? Early thoughts is um, we have some time here before kickoff on Sunday. But the Eagles obviously will be favored in this game. They should go there and win uh, if they have turned a corner. But the Redskins, Eagles, Week Four. Your thoughts? Well, it's funny how with the Eagles' offense supposed to be like you know, best in the league. The first thing that came to my mind is, well, they should be able to beat the Redskins because the Redskins can't score. So I, I think, you know, this is a game that the Eagles' defense should dominate. I don't see Kirk Cousins doing much against this team. It's, it's in Washington, which is, you know, the Eagles have, you know, they lost there last year. Kirk Cousins did have a good game against them early in the season last year. But this just, for some reason, this feels like a game to me. My initial thought right after yesterday and going into the week, you know, where I'll learn more about the Redskins and, you know, more – and this just feels like a game where the Eagles are going to put it all together. And I feel like this, this game could be a blowout. Um, the Redskins are not a good team. The Eagles, even though their record's 1-2, and two, they, they are a good team. And I think this is one of those games where they'll, they'll, they'll show what they could do at full, at full capacity. 
Mark, your thoughts on the Redskins here? I mean, last time the Eagles went down there uh, was week 16 last year. They lost the game they should have won. We're, we're getting the sense here that this should be a game they should win again. Uh, do you think this is a week the Eagles put it all together, or you, do you need to see more before you, you feel they're ready to do that? I don't think they're ready to put it all together. I think, though, like I said earlier, I think that, you know, I think the passing game is still growing. It still needs time. Um, so I don't, I don't, I think they win. Obviously. I mean, I, w- I would never, ever, ever pick the Washington Redskins to beat anyone, I don't think, but the Eagles. <laughs> um, I wouldn't. I mean, really, I'm serious. I don't think I would pick them, maybe Jacksonville, if it was in Washington. Um, no, Kirk Cousins is not very good. He's a guy. He's just, he's a good, he's a, he's a backup. He's, he's a McCown brother. He, he's the third McCown brother. Um, you know, he, he's, what he is, but they're going to try to run the ball. That's what Washington likes to do. They got the big kid, you know. They got Morris. They got the rookie from Florida, Jones, who who played pretty well against the Giants. They're going to come in and try to pound and pound. And and I don't know if you can beat the Eagles doing that. I really don't think you can. I, that's not the that's not the recipe to beat. The Eagles are pretty good against the run. So I think I think the Eagles defense will have a good game. Uh, I'm curious if Elliott's good friend uh, De, Deshaun is going to play. I have, have you guys talked, Elliott? Is is he playing this week? No, he, he hasn't. We, we, we've been talking a little bit. I don't know. Um, were you were having? Were you at one of the parties or anything? Something tells me he won't be playing. He doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to – although I'm sure he'll want to do well against the Eagles. But He may, he does make a difference in that offense. With, with him not in that offense, they're very easy to defend. I mean, you, you stop the run. You bring an extra guy up even if you have to, but stop the run, cover Garcon. I think Maxwell can cover Garcon. I don't – I mean, Garcon will get some catches on him, but he's not going to kill him. Uh, the tight end isn't bad. Um, Reed is a pretty good player. Um, but Jordan Hicks has shown that he can cover guys. I mean, I, I, this is where Kiko Alonso – this is why the Eagles signed Kiko Alonso to take on guys like like Reed. But I don't know if Hicks will be on him. I don't know if they'll put a safety on him. He's their best receiver without Jackson in there. Uh, and he's the guy that, that they look for. But So I, I don't see the Redskins scoring a lot of points. And then defensively – that secondary is bad. It's a bad. There's no playmakers back coming in. Chris Culliver, who's, you know, he's okay. He, he'd he be the Eagles' third best corner. Um, D'Angelo Hall's past his prime, and I think he's hurt now, too. Um, the safeties are not cover safeties. You know, they have Goldson, who was good. You know, he, he was, he's, a, he's a big hitter. He's lost a couple steps. So the Eagles... The Eagles' offense might really explode and get like you know twenty one or twenty two, and you know something. You know, <laughs> that was a joke. But no, I, I think the Eagles win. But I don't, I don't see them blowing anybody out yet because I don't think the offense is to the point yet where they'll put up you know forty points. It's funny, Mark. You, as you were describing the Redskins' offense without Deshaun Jackson, with one receiver that kind of is the only one making any plays, a tight end that's pretty athletic, uh, no deep threat. You were describing this Eagles' offense. A little bit, huh? <laughs> a little bit. But you know what? One and two now for the Eagles, and we actually have a season to talk about. So this should be fun as we continue to go through. We'll be back next week for episode 10 of the No Huddle Show. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Elliot Shore Parks, at Mark Eccolo 8, at Joe Gilio Sports, of course, on iTunes and on Stitcher. And if you like the show or you don't, leave a rating and tell us. It certainly helps as we move forward and grow the No Huddle Show on both of those places. Elliot, thanks for doing this, man. Sounds good. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Joe. Take care. And thank everyone out there for listening. This has been Episode 9 of the No Huddle Show on NJ.com.